let's just think if Ohio was Ukraine, the Democrats would be all over this right now. The Democrats would be screaming, we've got to throw millions and millions and millions of dollars at this problem. Now, look at this. Look at this right here. This is our railroads here in the United States of America. And this train is coming down the tracks. Does there something out of the ordinary here? Does there something look like this might not be proper here? You tell me. It almost looked like someone was drunk when they were laying the tracks down here, right? My producer, she hadn't seen this video, and she's like, what in the world? And is that look, real? Yes, this is real. Earlier today, Wednesday, February 22nd, 2023, I had a conversation with Will Johnson. Will Johnson has a show that you can catch on Mike Lindell TV over at Frank Speech. He is a black influencer that was brought together by Charlie Kirk's Turning Point USA. He has worked as a reporter for Real America's Voice and American Truth Project. He is the founder of Unite America First. And I am happy and proud to say that Will Johnson is a friend of mine. We had a great conversation. I present it to you. Sit in with us as we talk about a range of topics and philosophies. Enjoy. Okay, Mr. Will Johnson of Unite America First. I'm going to ask you a question, but it's kind of a trick question. So hear me out. It's a two-part question. So here's the first question. Who the hell are you? And <laughs> what do you do for a living? What is your passion? What are you known for? Now, I said it's a trick question because generally when I ask people, you know, who they are, they're going to go into what they do. That's the second part of the question. The first part of the question is, who are you? So who the hell are you, Will? Well, thanks for having me, James. So my, who I am, I am just a simple man who believes in God, a Christian. Hardcore Christian, if that, if you want to say that, that's who I am. I'm a believer in God. I love freedom and I love my country and I love the people in the country and I love God's people. That's who I am. Now, what I do is I, I do Ephesians 511. That's what I do. I expose the evilness happening in the world. And what I'm known for is going out and speaking against the narrative, the narrative that because you're a certain complexion that you have to be a certain way. That's what I do. And I do video podcasts, audio podcasts, um, little short videos, et cetera, et cetera. Pretty much a lot of stuff that you don't see in the mainstream news because a lot of, you know, independent news media are actually talking about stuff that people are hungry for and not just being, you know, per se indoctrinated. So you would be, if we're looking at Will, Will is a Christian man. And what he does is he has a podcast, a video and audio podcast that gives a different narrative than what the mainstream media is trying to force down people's throat. Would that be a good synopsis? I would say yes. That's pretty much it in a nutshell. All right, Will. 
what is United America First? How did that start? What is that all about? Why why is that a thing? Why are we blessed with United America First as an organization, as you, as a mission? What's the story behind that? How did that come about? Well, originally when I, okay, this is how it began. I was watching what was happening around our world, our country. And I was thinking that there has to be something that I can do. And I picked up a selfie stick one day and I just did a video. And a lot of people were looking at the video because they were wondering, like, who is this guy? What is he saying? And never doing it before. Now, I've done videos in the past and we can get into that if you want. But I have did videos in the past. But what brought Unite to Make a First dot com about is because I used to be, you know, I used to be, uh, I used to think differently in the political realm. And and then I started looking at stuff when I moved to California. I started seeing stuff differently than what I was always taught, what I was told. I always saw, I started seeing things different. I said, wait a minute, this is not what I was told. So I picked up a selfie stick one day and I just did a video, a short video, like a five minute little video talking about my experience on um, me changing. And the next thing I know, the next day I woke up and it was 5,000 views, you know, for not doing a video before on social media. And I woke up, oh, wow, look at this 5,000 views. I'm like, wow, you know, you know, it's nothing compared with what you get, but, <laughs> but, you know, I was, I was really excited. Anyone who's starting off in the beginning, you get 5,000 views on the video. That's pretty exciting, regardless of who you are. Right. So then I was thinking that maybe there's something that I could do to bring change, because if I could change and I could see what was happening in the world, maybe I could bring that same ideology or that same way of thinking onto the to the camera to where other people can see an alternative to what they've been told all their all their life. Because all my life I was told to think a certain way and to believe a certain thing. And all that changed when I moved to California. And a lot of people go, well, well, wait a minute. How would your way of thinking change moving to California? Well, California is a completely different place. <laughs> you can't you can't, you can't co really compare the two California and the rest of the world. Where did you move from? I moved from Arkansas. <laughs> I moved from Arkansas to California. So, you know, that was like a big shocker there. That's I mean, come on. The lifestyle in Arkansas versus the lifestyle in California, just the ideology, the thinking, the people completely different. It's like I left America and went to a different country. Now. With that said, um, I actually grew a lot in California because, again, my eyes were open to certain things. And I said I decided when I was in California, you know what? OK, I'm going to jump in. I'm going to put myself out there. And one thing led to another. I created a website, started telling T-shirts. And, you know, it's funny. When I first created my website, I wasn't even selling T-shirts or anything because I didn't know. You know, I was just I was in this because I wanted to just do change. And I saw Terrence Williams one day talk about his T-shirts that he was selling. I said, oh, wow, he's selling T-shirts. I can sell a T-shirt, too. <laughs> and this was years ago. And I was like, you know, so then I started selling T-shirts on my website. And I mean, there's you know, I could go into every little detail, but on a high level you know, my, my, my goal was, is that if I could change and try to unite the country based on people believing certain things, you know, be it the left or the right, 
if I could, if I could, you know, come to the center, which I thought I was coming into. And then I realized when I got to the center, those uh, on the left, they had a different view point of view of me because I moved to the center and I left the way they wanted me to think. And I, I didn't like it. So then they kind of like pushed me a little bit more to the right. This kept pushing me, kept pushing me. And I'm like, y'all pushing me away. Right. Because I'm like, this is just, I'm thinking a little different here, but y'all are pushing me away. And then I realized that the history that I was always told was never, it wasn't the correct history. And that history, I struggled with it because I was always told that a particular party was for people like me, like you. And when I started looking into history and started reading more, I had conflict with it. I mean, I was literally struggling with it. You know, reading Booker T. Williams, I struggled with it. I'm like, wait a minute, this is not what they told me. Then I read another book called uh, Blacks, Whites, Racist, it was called Whites, Blacks, Racist Democrats by Reverend Rain Perryman. And I read that book. And as again, I was having conflict because this is nothing what I was told. But then once you verified and look at this stuff and said, this is how it happened, but we're being told something else. Verify. Yeah. Why that word? (laughs) Well, because like I said, I was, I was conflict. I was having conflicts. I was always told to believe a certain thing. I said, but this is not what I was told. And then that conflict in me was like, okay, you know what? That conflict caused me to want to go research even more. That conflict said, you know what? I got to go out and disprove all this other stuff that that I'm learning now, because this can't be true. Because my parents told me one thing. My grandparents told me one thing. The people that I hung around with, and this is in Arkansas. Now, Arkansas was, you know, hardcore conservative Republican, you know, what they call rednecks, you know, in that part of the, the part of the country. And I was always told that they were a certain way. And I always looked at them a certain way just because based on what I was told. But when I moved to California, it was the complete opposite. It was the complete opposite. So then I had to verify everything that I was reading because it was not lining up to what I was told. So you say something very interesting there. You, you had heaven forbid, but you actually had independent thought where you said, you know what, maybe I shouldn't just listen to what I'm being spoon fed, but I should just right. go and investigate what's really going on for, uh, for myself. And you actually went and read and researched. Is that what I'm hearing? Will? That's exactly what it was. You know, like I said, I started reading Booker T. Washington. I read, that one book. And I've actually read other books, but again, when I was, I'm sitting there reading this and I'm like, you know, just, just to go, just kind of like give an example, reparations, you know, when I first, when reparations, when I first heard about it, I was like, no, we shouldn't do reparations. But originally a lot of people didn't realize this, that reparations was created by the Republican party. Republican party came up with reparations to begin with. And it was only for, actual slaves when they left when you know when when the civil war was over with that's when republicans said okay 40 acres and a mule that's when it came about and if i'm not mistaken on the on the the year was what 18 uh 1887 86 if i'm not mistaken i probably off a little bit but um they 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 did that what and what ended up happening was that the democrats during that time 
went to a federal judge and got them to overturn it. So then that anything that the, the black slaves had received from reparations, what they actually had to give it to their previous slave owner, the, the land that they received and the mule. And that's how that that's how that came about. But then because I was thinking, OK, with all this whole this this whole talk about reparations in the year 2020, really, when it. It started talking about a little bit, but it really came about in the year 2020 talking about reparations. And I'm like, reparations? No one, no one alive today was ever a slave or no one alive today ever owned slaves. Not, not, you know, in that sense. Now, there's other slavery that's happening in the country, but, you know, but that's a different story. But that's one of the things I learned. And I'm like, well, how are they taking claim to, you know, reparations when they were against it in the first place? And it was the Republicans that pushed for it. But since the Democrats reversed it and came to this time, it is, you can't really implement something that people never, I would say, even deserve or even earned. Interesting. Now, why, how'd you come up with or what was the genesis of the name Unite America First? What what was going on politically or socially when you started uh, Unite America First? Well, originally I first started off as just Unite America because I saw the division that was taking place. And this was around 2000, actually it was before 2000, it was like 2019, 2018, uh, I saw it. Well, be honest with you, actually, I saw it before then when I first picked up my first selfie stick was in 2015, right before the 2016 elections with, you know, Hillary Clinton and, and President Trump. And I saw the division taking place. I'm like, why are we so divided? You know, because I was thinking that, you know, especially when I started going to the center, I really started seeing it because when I, w I went from a Democrat to an independent to a Republican to a conservative Christian. <laughs> so I've been there ever since. But the name Unite America First was originally just Unite America because I was thinking that, hey, if I could wake up and I could see maybe I could do something that can unite the country. And then I said, well, then, then it came to the point to where I was like, well, wait a minute. They're trying to do other things to help other countries, which I don't have any problem with, just to be honest with you. But we have a whole bunch of problems here in America. What about the what about the women and the children, the orphans, the, the widows? What about them here in America? What about our veterans? What about all of the issues that we have here in America? So then it was like, OK, unite America first. Shipping can make or break a sale. So optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. You know, give another example, because I think about it all the time, especially when certain people tell me that I'm not really uniting because of my way of thinking. Um, okay. I, so I tell people, I said, think about if you're like on the airplane. And they always tell you on the airplane, if the air dropped down, what are you supposed to do? You put on your mask first, and then you assist those around you that need help, that need assistance. It's the same thing with our country. 
We need to take care of our country first, and then we can assist those around the world. But for some reason, that isn't happening. So that's kind of the gist of it, unite America first. We gotta take care of our own home first. Another example, if you're, if let's say you and I are neighbors, you live next door, and we have, and, and all of a sudden the pipes in your house burst and the pipes in my house burst, I would expect you to work on the pipes in your home first. And then if I still need help, you might be able to come over and help me stop the leaking in my house. But you can't leave your house while it's still leaking and try to come fix mine. That doesn't make any sense. So that's kind of like another analogy that I put together thinking that, you know, it only it's common sense, basically, what it comes down to. Great analogy. I, I like that one about the uh, the airplane and the busting leaky pipes. You've got to take care of your home space before you go over to your neighbor. All right, so it's uh, it's 2023, and we've seen identity politics, and we're not gonna get to politics here, but I wanna get the philosophy uh, behind your shift. Were you taught as a kid critical, re uh, critical thinking skills, reason skills, investigative skills, and if were you taught to be an independent thinker, and if so, where did you learn those skills, and if not, where did, what made you or how did you develop those skills for yourself? Well, originally, well, when I was younger, my dad, he constantly told me, you have to think for yourself. You have to think for yourself, which is kind of interesting today. And it's like on a personal note, my, my parents, they're hardcore Democrats, hardcore. I mean, the Republicans are no good to society, according to them. And they always told me that, the, the Democrats were for minorities and black people. Think about this. I remember because my father was in the military and I'll never forget it. When we were, he, we lived in Germany and you, you've seen the, you've seen the series roots, right? I was really young. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You've seen the series roots and I was really young. It's been a long time, but yeah, I have seen it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Revisit it. Um, so I rem I'll never forget it. My parents, when we were in Germany and I was, I can't even remember my age. I was really young. And in Germany at the time, they only had one channel. This was years ago. So I'm dating myself. <laughs> we didn't have the internet. We didn't have multiple. We didn't even have two channels. We had one channel. And in Germany, they had the knobs. If you turn the knob just right, you can probably pick up like, you know, German channel or, or Benny Hill. If you know what I'm talking about. As a kid, so I was sitting there watching, you know, trying. But anyways, the, and at the time in Germany, which was interesting, they ran a series of roots. And because they had other programming, it only came on one time a week for one hour. And my parents forced me to sit down and watch it. I didn't want to watch it. And I'm like, I didn't want to watch this. It's like, you know, old movie, old times. I didn't want to watch this. But my parents, they forced me to sit down and watch it. And they because of the movie roots they kind of instilled this this thing in me that white people wanted to enslave black people the and the problem was is that they never they never told me that it was which white people and they and i grew up now again my father was constantly telling me to think for myself but they never told me which group of white people were trying to that enslave people during that time and that was another thing I struggled with when I got older and I started reading different books and materials. 
And that I think that's part of the transition because I had always my parents. I don't think they deliberately lied to me. I think they were just lied to as well. And they passed it on and it was passed on from generation to generation. And me moving to California was that that breaker because the the Democrats in Arkansas, the and I'm going to have to say it like this and not to behave for anything, but the white Democrats in Arkansas are completely different than the white Democrats in California because the white Democrats in Arkansas, they kind of, for the most part, they, on they kind of act a little conservative. I'm just going to be straight up because we're in the deep South, right? They kind of act some things, they act a little conservative, but they kind of lean towards, you know, Democrats just because they want to not be racist. I, I think that's the reason why they do it. You know, I never really had the conversation with them doing it. Time. Interesting. Interesting. To, yeah, yeah. To get into it. But when I moved to California, they had this different attitude about black people. Like you really can't do anything on your own unless I assist you. Like you can't achieve anything unless I make it possible. And that's the attitude that they had. And that really rubbed me the wrong way because I was in IT for over 20 years and I did IT when I was living in Arkansas. And then I moved to California doing IT and I'm running circles around them. And I'm like, but wait a minute, I'm running circles around you in the technology and the technology came out of Silicon Valley. <laughs> I'm like, what? So, and so then it, uh, that was enough. That was actually before I even picked up my first selfie stick. And when I started realizing and started picking up and th at this time, this one, Obama was in office and Obama would, he, he did one particular thing that really kind of just turned me off from the Democrat party altogether. And that's when he lit up the white house in the sodomite colors. And that just really turned me off. It was, and then it, it turned me off because he did it for them. I said, okay, he did it for them. But then it was a, you know, outcry for him to do the same thing for the police officers, you know, light it up in blue. And he refused to do that, but he did it in the sodomite colors. I'm like, so wait a minute, but you're supposed to be the president for all the people. And I started just start thinking for myself more. And I started because the blue like this way, James, and you you can contest it is. Once you see the truth, you can't unsee it. <laughs> Once yes. you see it, you can't unsee 100 percent. Yeah, you can't uh, you know, yeah, you can't go back. Yeah. yeah. You can't go back. And and it's stuck there. And and you know, and and things just started presenting itself more and more. And I just started asking questions. And when you start asking questions, especially if you ask questions on social media, you can tell the people that don't like your questions. Like, I don't know. Help me out. But if you're asking the questions about certain things that I was learning, I realized that those on the left, they didn't like the questions that I was asking. And, you know, the, I think the biggest thing that actually got me to do this whole flip is because when I consider myself a Democrat living in Arkansas, when I had conversations with Republicans, conservatives, Christians, you know, they always just said, dude, you're confused. You don't know what you're talking about. They never called me the N word. They never called me, you know, they, they never put on social media, the little meme with the raccoon dancing across the screen. <laughs> <laughs> and I find that hilarious, but you know, it's funny, right? Uh, and they never, they never did that. 
They, they never did that when I consider myself a Democrat, you know, and I'm on social media kind of arguing with them a little bit. They said, dude, you're just confused, which was true. I was ignorant. I was ignorant to the truth. Just to be blunt, I had no idea. I was not educated in the truth. I was educated in the lies that were told and they were passed down. But then when I became a independent Republican to full-on conservative Christian, the left started sending me the coon pitch going around. They started sending me, and they started sending me, you know, you know, calling me Uncle Tom, which I didn't know at the time who Uncle Tom was. I thought it was something really bad until again I started reading. <laughs> You know, did, did it's, you, it's amazing. Did you, did you read Uncle Tom's Cabin when you were in school as a kid? No, I didn't actually. Okay. Yeah, actually. I, 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 in California in high school, we had to read it here. And that was my uh, my parents had told me about it. But I, I did have to read it for school. Interesting. Really? Yeah. Well, in Arkansas, well, see, my father was in the military. So I was in a school for maybe three to four years and then we moved. So maybe if it, if it ever did get to that point, I missed it at some point you know, growing up. I'm not saying that they didn't teach it when I was in Arkansas, but they didn't teach it in high school. And I never heard anything about it until years and years later. And then I read it. Then I'm like, wait a minute, but he was a hero. And, but, but anyways, before I, before I talk about that, I, I started posting stuff on social media and then I started getting this, this wave of just hateful comments this wave of just, I'm like, where, what in the world is, what is going on? And the most thing, the biggest thing that stuck out to me is that black people that still consider themselves Democrat, they would see white Democrats say hateful, racist, despicable things towards me. And then the black Democrats would join in with them to be hateful towards me. I'm like, wait a minute, isn't this what you complain about? So then, then I, you know, then just, again, they were just pushing me away, pushing me away, pushing me away. And the, the black Democrats constantly talk about white people being racist, but it's only a group of white people that they suggest that are racist. And again, the white Republicans, they never sent me racist comments, not a single time. Now I'm not saying there aren't any, because we're all people. People can be racist no matter who you are, what political spectrum, whatever your background is. There's racism everywhere. But I had never experienced it the way I did from the left. And they just took the cake. They took the cake. You said that there's different types of slavery. Uh, there are, and that, and that is why, you know, as conservatives, Often you talk about the Democrat Party or that ideology as being a plantation, but that's a mental plantation where black liberal Democrats were allowing their same white counterparts to be racist towards you and they didn't call them out. And in fact, they joined in. Yes. Yeah, they, they actually participated with them. And I'm like, wait a minute, don't you complain about when white people do this? But I guess it's almost like with Joe Biden, you know, when Joe Biden said, you know, if you have to if you have to figure out if you want to decide voting for me or Trump, then you ain't black. They gave him a pass on saying that. 
if President Trump ever mentioned anything like that, oh, my goodness, he'd be totally racist. But they gave him a pass on that. And from reading Uncle Tom's Cabin and reading uh, Booker T. Washington, I realized that the, the, the guy in the big house, right? You know what I'm talking about? The guy in the big house, he's racist. So they expect the guy in the big house to be racist. So in this case with Joe Biden, they expect it. So they're, I guess they're accustomed to it. It's nothing out of the ordinary. It's okay because it's coming from the Democrat Party. I mean, because that's the way it is. If you if you want to go talk about actual history, factual history, it's always been the Democrat Party that you know owns slaves, push for slavery. It's it's always been that. I mean, just if we're just going to be you know truthful about it, this is the part they leave out in CRT. I'm just you know mention that real quick. <laughs> now, Will, you said something. I want to go back. That's that's very important uh, to me. <clears throat> very important to me. As, as a fellow Christian man like you, uh, as a black man like you, as a Christian black man like you, is you had the influence of your father who taught you to think for yourself. What are your thoughts on society as a whole? And then if you want to bring it back to the unfortunate uh, problem in the inner city and other black communities, with the lack of a father. How important are fathers? Or Because the left and society and the world with all of its new ideas are trying to sideline the importance of a patriarch in the home. You know what is interesting? I think my case might be a little odd because like I said, my father, he constantly told me when I was younger, you have to think for yourself. You have to think for yourself. But we argue today because my dad, he's full on Democrat. And I'm like, wait a minute, you used to tell me to think for myself all the time. And now that I'm doing what you told me, you're you're upset. Make it make sense. <laughs> make it make sense. Right. But even though even though we disagree, we don't see eye to eye on that. You know, as a Christian man, I respect my father. I respect my dad, my earthly father. Right. I respect him. And I don't disrespect them. I don't, you know, call them disrespectful names. I don't, you know, curse them or anything like that. It's because we disagree. Uh, there's been multiple times we're on the telephone and he's yelling at me because I'm not seeing it the way he wants me to see it. And I just respectfully say I had to go, <laughs> you know, but even even regardless honor, of honor thy father and thy mother. Exactly, exactly. But even regardless that we, you know, we don't see eye to eye on things right now. Growing up with a father in the household is a is night and day. It is still night and day because children need that. They need that boys. They need that compassion from their mothers. Boys, they need that not, not to be, you know, abusive or anything, but they need that strength from their fathers. They need to see a the father figure standing strong or if the father figure fails and the father figure gets back up and not just, you know, and just gives up on life, gives up on world. For the most part, and, and studies already shown this, that children that grow up with a mother and a father tend to succeed more in society. And that's just proven. But for some reason, there's a group of people that want to change what the household looks like between with a mother and a father, 
Uh, they want to change that because they, they have this whole idea where they want to change society. And me being a Christian, they're doing this because they want to reject the way God created us to thrive on the planet. And, and we all see it. We're seeing it happening. Right. And then I think they call it like the new family or the new age family or something like that. And it's a problem. It's a problem because now in the inner cities, especially we have the crime going through the roof. And most of these people that are committing these crimes, they don't have a father and they're using teens to do this. They don't have a father because put it this way. I remember if I ever did anything wrong in school, back in my mind, oh my goodness, my dad. <laughs> in the back of my mind, not only am I going to get in, this was when I was in grade school, they had a paddle during that time with the little holes in it. When it <laughs> they, had, they had the paddles back then. You know, so they eliminate the paddles. They want to eliminate the father. And then what do we have as a result? More crime, more violence, more disrespect of law and order, more disrespect of our elders, not trying to thrive in society, just being pretty much for the most part lazy, thinking that you should just get a handout. You don't need to do anything. And this is not the society that we should have. And it's actually growing at an alarming rate. I have family members that are you know living off the system and that very same thing because they end up having children you know cousins girls they have children and the father's not there or even some of my male cousins they have you know girls pregnant not even being a father to them i think everyone has it to an extent especially in the black community um more so than any other community that that took place but I think it's really important, you know, and I'm thankful, even though we argue a lot right now, but I'm thankful that my father was there to, he was just, even, even if uh, I didn't have a great childhood, he was still there. He was still there. Now it, it is, it is funny, ironic. I don't know if funny is the right word, but it is ironic that your dad did you a solid, taught you how to think for yourself. And then when you think for yourself, it's not how he thinks, so you get a little pushback for it. But you know that's that's okay. I mean, this thing, the 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 fact that he instilled that in you, and you respect him, and you can give him a little pushback, or you can have a, a back and forth. I know with family, it could be uh, it it could be a little uh, different. I you know when when Obama came on the scene, I was you know I I started to think independently when I was a freshman at UC Berkeley, and I rejected on a higher level any sort of socialism or Marxism. And I, I sort of realized, like you say, in, in, in California, uh, the white liberals were pretty racist uh, for the same reasons. Like, I can't do anything. I need a handout. I need help and, and what have you. So I, I get that. My question for you is, did you have any kind of outside of family, outside of your, your, your family, did you have any kind of internal struggle where you are learning things and coming to epiphanies and revelations for yourself that are contrary to what everyone else is in your ear not everyone else but a lot of people are in your ear telling you what, what what's that like personally mentally spiritually to to be on a path of a path of finding truth when you have all these voices telling you that no what you're seeing is wrong and you need to believe like i do what's that what what is that what was that like for you personally 
until I found people like you, it was lonely because I didn't think anyone else, you know, thought the same way. I didn't think anybody else saw the same things that I was seeing. And then people like you, I saw you and then I saw, you know, other people started popping up and I'm like, this is amazing. This is amazing. So <clears throat> I'm getting all these people coming at me left and right. Well, you know, they on the left and they walk over here. And then, but, <laughs> but I was getting people telling me that, hey, you, you don't need to be there. Oh, let me give you, let me kind of give you an example. Um, I guess I'm, this is still kind of including somebody else externally to my family. Uh, when I was living in California, I would ride this train to work because the traffic's so bad, the quickest way, sadly, to get there was on a train. And I, my train ride, my, 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 to my total travel time was two and a half hours one way. Two and a half hours one way. Every, every day. Every day during the week, right? And I never forget it. My in California because they have, you know, they want to be inclusive and everything. And you know, every year they would have this event called Pride. You know, and I'm like, okay, this is the company I'm working for. I didn't, you know, I didn't go to the company for it, but this is something that the company would do in California, and, and multiple companies do it, right? And I'm like, oh, hey, this is the way of the world, but. I, they didn't force people to go out and participate and whatever. So I just did my job and got on the train and went home every day. Well, I'll never forget it. One day I was on my way home and one, one lady that worked at the same company in a different department, she asked me, was I going to go to the event? And I'm like, no. And she go, no, but you're black. <laughs> And <laughs> was this woman white? Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> and what did that got to do with anything? That's, that was my question. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, but what does that have to do with anything? And she, and that, right when I, right when, when I asked her, I said, but I don't understand. She said, but you went through the same struggles. And I said, what struggles, what, what struggles would that be? And she and every since then after that, as soon as I asked that question, she didn't want to talk to me anymore. And the interesting thing is, I would see her every now and then on the train, and we would just have conversation, talking about you know different things at work, and never you know never getting into really politics because I, for the most part, I kept everything separate from my job and me talking about what's happening in the world, the politics, doing videos and stuff. I kept it separate as much as possible. But so I asked her, so I, when I asked her that question, ever since then, she didn't want to talk to me any longer. And I, I and you know, and we see that today so much more so where they're making this connection and not, not to get like real deep in politics. But, for example, with Ron DeSantis, you know, he's want to talk about black history and they're wanting to include, you know, other agendas that has nothing to do with black history. And then they're saying, oh, he's excluding black history, which is not the case. But that was one of the things that really struck me in another epiphany that I had that like, wait a minute. This is a white liberal telling me how I should think, how I should believe. And because of my struggles, <laughs> like, like she knows my life, right? 
<laughs> like she knows my life. My father was in the military. So and we got to travel across the across the world, live in Germany. So I've experienced a lot of things that a lot most people, most people would never experience. So I can't complain and say that I didn't have a privileged life as a child. I didn't have much, but the privileges and the, the opportunities that came to me were above and beyond most people will ever experience. And I acknowledge that. So I'm not a victim. I wasn't oppressed. I didn't have these, these, you know, these attacks like she suggested that I've had. Now we've all had some attacks regardless, right? We've all had them, but not like she was saying, like I'm being oppressed all of a sudden, you know, because I'm my color. I'm a, the only time I was ever oppressed is because I put myself in a position and it was from other people that did not want me to succeed. That's the only time it happened. It's so interesting. Well, because I, I, I had a, a similar instance and I've told this story before and I'll be brief because uh, I can totally relate. I was, I came from a, a, a Democrat family as well. And even though I grew up mostly in Southern California, I was probably more like an Arkansas Democrat. First of all, we were an active religious Christian family and we were more of those union Democrats. Mm. Um, and my, my dad uh, still jokes that my grandpa was like, you know, hardcore Democrat for the unions. But, you know, back in the day of Reagan, he's like, well, I like Reagan because he's like not taking anything from those commie bastards, you know, like that kind of old uh, Democrat that loved America, loved God and what have you. They just ideologically were different, thinking that the government should solve problems as opposed to Republicans at that time that believed that limited government was the answer, not more government. So that's the kind of how I was brought up. So, but I was a Democrat thinking, you know, yeah, you know, the, the, the government should solve everything. And I'm on campus at UC Berkeley as a freshman. Now I, I grew up uh, and I went to high school, mostly in junior high and high school in San Diego County and a predominantly white high school. So I wasn't, I wasn't underprivileged. I wasn't, my, my parents were working class. I didn't grow up, you know, you know, I wouldn't even say middle class, maybe middle class, but working class. We lived in a nice place where everyone, not everyone, but it seems like when you're a kid, everyone lived in nice houses and we lived in a small apartment because my parents made the sacrifice of me, want us living in a better neighborhood. So that's what it was. But I go to UC Berkeley and I have this, this co-ed. She comes up to me, a blonde, cute girl comes up to me and says like, isn't that so cool? They let you in because you're black at UC Berkeley. That this, 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 and here I am. First of all, I'm 18 years old and I have this beautiful blonde co-ed literally insult me. So you, you've got the male ego and you've got the, the regular ego. I, I graduated toward the top of my class. Now I wasn't number one or number two or three, but I was in top, toward the top of my class of a, of a predominantly white high school. I wasn't underprivileged. No, the, you know, it, the, the fact that she made that assumption was a light bulb that who is this liberal, white liberal, just making assumptions about me based on my color. Then I started to realize they really think we are subpar, that without their help, without their, uh, you know, help, assistance, without their care, we black folk are dumb. You know, here you are, a black man from Arkansas, Travel because you you know you're an army you're an army brat or whatever growing up or 
I don't know what branch of government uh, of the military was it Air Force was it Army Army it was Army, Army. Okay. so mm -hmm. so I was right you're running circles around them in an industry where color doesn't matter if you if you you either know IT or you don't I got into UC Berkeley because I took the SAT because I had the good grades because I did the work not because they let me in because I was black. <laughs> and and that was such that was such an eye opener for me that wow, these liberals and you know white liberals and of course I I I I get a little nervous saying that because I am not a bigot, but here's a white liberal democrat looking down on me. And that was a real 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 eye opener. And it still happens to this day you had you had that uh, encounter uh, where in, in California were you in the Bay Area? Yes, yes. I was so in you the Bay Area. On the Bart or something? I was on the the A train. Okay, all right, all right. Okay, so so supposedly these uh, enlightened liberals just show their true color. You cannot have independent thought, and then they they want to co opt the experience of Black American struggle, which is not now. Which let's be honest we won the civil rights movement. You know, we, there's still work to do. Don't get me wrong. We won the civil rights and now they want to co-opt that with the LGBTQ and all the right. other thing, which actually belittles and cheapens our actual struggle as black Americans. Now, my family's from the South originally, um, from Georgia and from Birmingham, Alabama. My family did participate uh, in the Montgomery bus strikes and all that stuff. So I, I have in my family the history behind that. Not the same struggle that white liberals and the alphabet color uh, yeah. uh, agenda wants to cheapen our experience. So so yeah, I, I, I totally agree with what you're saying there and I, and I, I can understand having... You if, know, I can, if I can add to that... Please do. You know... When they tried to make the connection from people living a sodomite lifestyle to black people, I was asked, I asked this question of them. Have you ever seen the sodomites get hosed down in the streets by the fire hose? Have you ever seen them get dog sicked on them? Have you ever seen them related connection to a tree? And you know what I'm talking about, you know, you know. So you don't ever, that's never happened to them. Have you ever seen the Democrats target them the way they target black people in any point in history? And they can't say that Republicans are doing that because Republicans don't do that. Republicans, for the most part, they kind of like, they'll talk about it, but they'll stay away from it. They don't care. I mean, right. That's what they, I'm saying. A Christian Republican just wants to live their Christian lifestyle. And they, they'll say, you know, uh, I, I, I disagree with the homosexual and transsexual lifestyle, the semi lifestyle, but they're, they're not boycotting them. They're not stopping them from getting jobs. They're, they're, no. they're, they're just saying, I don't approve of the lifestyle. And that's it. Yeah, well, you know, you hit it right there. I was going to say that too, because they're not trying to prevent them from getting a job, prevent them from holding a job, prevent them from getting sponsors. They're not doing any of that. Conservative Christians. And you know what? That's like, a, I guess the, I don't want to say downfall, but it's like a strike against conservative Christians because, see, we believe that everyone, regardless if we disagree or not, that you should be able to pursue whatever it is that makes you happy. But they have a different uh, ideal about that. 
They don't believe. And, you know, just because just because we disagree with the lifestyle, we're hateful, we're bigoted, we're, you know, homophobic. And it has nothing. It's not close to it at all. It's just we don't I don't agree with it. Like you can disagree with something and I'm not going to call you hateful because you disagree with it. Now, you know, I've known you for a couple of years now. And I think if we sat down long enough, I'm pretty sure you and I can find something that we could disagree with. But we're not going to I'm not going to be trying to get you fired. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The whole council thing is it's not even a matter of like they want you to believe what they believe. They want you to celebrate and have the same fervor and commitment and love for that. So, for instance, yes. you know, this whole trans thing, right? It's a it's a small, very small segment, right, of the population that has let's call it what it is gender dysphoria okay right so and and okay most people were like it sucks if someone has that because i don't have that struggle but it would suck if someone has it right no 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 you that's that makes you a bigot that makes you homophobic transphobic whatever or whatever other new words they make up it's it's not even it's not that they want you to embrace the lifestyle and want children to be uh, uh, go through the uh, the gender transformation. Uh, what what am I, what am I, what's the uh, reassignment or whatever yeah. whatever case it is? So yeah, that it's not so much that they're just intolerant. They want you to be a zealot for what they're zealot for. And if you're not a zealot like them, then you're uh, fill in the blank phobic. Yeah, yeah, and it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be that way. And when you ask him, said, well, why do you say that? And it's just because this way I feel that you're hateful. Like, I haven't done anything hateful. Well, I just feel that you are because I don't like the way you think. You know, it kind of makes me think about when I was working at uh, IT in Little Rock <clears throat> and I moved to California and I started realizing how the liberals were in California. And there's a few there was a few of them in, in Arkansas, but I didn't realize it because I didn't really have conversations with them. And I'll never forget it. This one white female liberal have conversation all the time with her on social media. Just, you know, conversation. And then then one day, all of a sudden, she just unfriended me. And but she didn't block me. She just unfriended me. And I sent her a message. I said, why did you unfriend me? And she said, because I don't like the way you think. (laughs) Oh, just because you don't like the way I think. I'm like, what? After all of this time, and I've known her for years, we've had conversations all of this time for years. And it wasn't even just, it's just all of a sudden, we're not friends anymore because I don't like the way you think. Amazing. I have, in conclusion, a few questions for you. Well, where do you see yourself in this mission to uh, unite America first one year from now and then five years from now? Well, you know, in this line of business that I'm in, talking about what people are doing in the world and that a lot of people don't like it, which is mind blowing to me. If you're doing something and you don't want me to talk about it, maybe not do it. (laughs) But I see Unite America First permitting that, permitted that they're not attacking me like they have, you know, conservatives. That I'm hope my my hopes is that I can be more successful than I am now. 
I'm actually I actually have a show on Lindell TV. I actually have I'm starting another show on Friday night on a, <clears throat> a broadcast called uh, or network called uh, LFA. And that's starting this Friday. And then and then I of, of course, I have my social media platforms that I go on to YouTube and Facebook and everything else. So my presence is growing. So in a year from now, I hope to have my presence just grow a lot more and be more successful. And, and in five years, five years, I hope to have my own outside studio because I have a studio here in my home. But I hope to have an outside studio and have employees. That's my goal in five years to have a studio where I can have employees take more road trips, have multiple cameras when I go, the sound equipment, everything else. Five years. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Okay. I appreciate that, uh, uh, Will, and thank you for, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, for that. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize how we uh, how we uh, how we met, and I think in conclusion, this would be a good way uh, to end. We were both covering the uh, Stop the Steal uh, in DC. Not to be confused with the January 6th, this was what, in December or is it late November? I, I, I can't I, remember. I think it was, like, it was in late November. Late November, late November 2020, when we, yep. we, saw, we saw what was going on. And uh, I went out there uh, with my wife and you were out there uh, covering. And it was like kindred spirits meeting, right? Uh, and it was off of, the, we, we, we met by the BLM. What do they, they call that little the BLM corner? It was the BLM uh, plaza. Plaza, there we go, the BLM yep. Plaza, Black Lives Matter uh, Plaza. Is there a question that you wish I would have asked you in this conversation that I didn't ask you? And if so, what's that question? Or what, what, and if not, what parting words would you want to leave to, uh, to our audience and those listening to this, uh, this conversation? Uh, I think you pretty much got, got all of it, you know? I mean, I'm pretty sure we could spend hours just talking about all this crazy stuff. But... I think uh, parting words would be, first of all, thank you for having me on with you as an honor. And yeah, I remember the first time I saw you there because at first you, you kind of walked up and you didn't say anything. And I was like, I'm like, who, you know, I, you were like in my peripheral vision and I wasn't like really paying attention. And then I like, oh, wait a minute, dude, you know, so I was, it was really excited to, to meet you. And, but I think the biggest thing now as a Christian, and we didn't really get into this, is that I believe as a Christian that we're living in the last days that the Bible refers to, because we're seeing wars and rumors of wars. We didn't get into any of that discussion, right? We're seeing I, I famine. I agree with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're seeing famine. We're seeing pestilence. We're seeing earthquakes in diverse places, and we're seeing the attack on reality with children men having getting pregnant you know so there's been so much happening i believe that we're we're in a generation and it kind of goes along with what you know me a year from now in 5 years is that on this earth my goal is to please our heavenly father and that is my job to try to wake people up and to get people to understand the times that we're living in do I want it to be the end times? No, I want to be selfish. I want to grow old. I want to have grandchildren. I want to sugar them up, send them home with the parents and have them complain. Why are you giving them a sugar? I, you know, I want to be selfish. 
I want I want that experience and I want to be just successful in my life and live my life. And, and that be it. But I can't ignore what's happening in our world today. I can't ignore it because it's so important. And one last thing is my biggest fear is me standing before God. And he looks at me and says, did you even try? Ooh. So I can at least say I tried. I may have failed, but I at least tried and I kept trying and I kept trying and I kept trying. Wow. Thank you, Will. Big hug. Love and appreciate your brother and the work that you're doing. Uh, Looking forward to uh, continued success. And we are going to be I'm going to be having you on both of uh, my platforms on a more regular basis. Uh, God bless you and your family and for all that you do. And next time I'm in Texas, we won't miss each other. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We'll do dinner or something. All right. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Thank you. Y'all to give us what we want. Y'all to give us what we need. Our freedom of speech is freedom of death. We got to fight the powers that be. Fight the power.